Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Hi, Pamela, and welcome back to Middle Grade Mavens for our 31st episode. Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone. So, should we dive right in? Yeah, let's do it. We don't really have much to chat about this week, so that makes a change. Let's do it. (laughs) What is the title of today's book? Yes, I'm very excited about this one. I'm I'm reviewing The Glim by Emily Rodder and illustrated by Mark McBride and published by Scholastic on October the 1st, 2019, just a few weeks ago. Yes, very recent. And would you share the jacket blurb with us? Yes. Lone Annie sees dragons in your future. She sees giants. She sees fire and water. She sees death. Finn's life in the village of Witchant is hard. Only his drawings of the wild coastline with its dragon-shaped clouds and headlands that look like giants make him happy. Then the strange housekeeper from a mysterious clifftop mansion sees his talent and buys him for a handful of gold and then reveals to him seven extraordinary paintings. Finn thinks the paintings must be pure, pure fantasy. Such amazing scenes and creatures can't be real. He's wrong. Soon he is going to slip through the veil between worlds and plunge into the wonders and perils of the glim. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very much a Pamela book. <laughs> well, I think this actually goes beyond a Pamela book, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what genre would you class this as? Yeah, this fantasy of the purest kind and yeah I think this is this is like I do like fantasy but I don't like fantasy for the sake of it being fantasy quite often so um yeah yeah I don't just go for all fantasy I have to say (laughs) but yeah yeah Emily Rodder absolutely yes (laughs) and what is the estimated word count you know that was actually really hard (laughs) to figure out and I don't even think I've really tried. I've written down around 45 to 50K. But it's yep. so, and as I will go into a bit later, it is so heavily illustrated. It was just hard to estimate. So, yeah, it's, it's a good chunky read. Yeah. 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 I've seen it in the library. It's very thick. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also very thick paper. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what drew you to this book? Uh, well, a little birdie told me about this book early this year. So I've been keeping my eye out for it. And I may have mentioned before that we love Emily Rodder's series Delta Request here in the Eucherman house. And, in fact, we're currently reading Delta Request 2 aloud. And Manga Boy, my now nine-year-old son, much to his delight, discovered the first book of Delta Request redone as a manga series. So he's absolutely loving that right now. Um, So we're very much in Emily Rodder world at the moment. Um, and I also reviewed one of Emily's other books. His name was Walter a couple of months ago on the podcast. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to this one. And that cover, that stunning cover, when I saw it, my heart sang. It's just, you know, that beautiful but also hardback. Oh, just gorgeous. Yeah. 
Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, tell us about it. Yeah, so there's a little blurb at the back of the book that tells of how Mark McBride, the illustrator, showed Emily Rodder some fantasy drawings that he'd made. And Emily was inspired and had just had to write a story to accompany them. So that's how this book came about. Isn't that lovely? Like it, oh, it was that's amazing. But by, um, yeah, the illustrator. So the book is about Finn, who lives in Wichant, which is um, it's a conglomeration of, or it's a, I don't know, it's a, what, what would you say? It's a, um, a metamorphosis of <laughs> the two words, which haunt, which oh, is the, yes, the sure. town, you know, in big parts. Anyway, that was a very long description of a very simple thing. And <laughs> <laughs> he's a gifted drawer. He lives with his grandparents, but his overbearing grandfather disapproves of his drawing, as he thinks they're useless. Um, when the strange housekeeper of a mysterious mansion offers to buy Finn for his talents, his grandfather agrees. And Finn is taken to the mansion and is told to copy a series of these huge, beautiful fantasy paintings um, in order to perfect them, to perfect his own drawing of them. And he practices day after day. But one day he falls through one of the paintings into the glim and there he is thrust into the world of the paintings. There's a war going on, there are dragons attacking and a man called Teller is trying to negotiate peace with these dragons. But the dragon queen has been kidnapped by a man called Rune. Finn finds himself a member of a strange party led by Teller to find Rune. It's a perilous journey involving sea monsters and giants. Finn is accompanied by Laurie, who fell into the glim also from Witchant, and Lone Annie, an old lady who foretells each of the dangers they face. Now, in true Emily Rodder style, the book is a puzzle, and it's only at the end that the pieces begin to fall into place, so I won't give any more away. But, of course, you you know, you won't be disappointed <laughs> if you read the book. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. So what was your overall enjoyment? Well, so I haven't actually talked about those stunning illustrations yet. And as I, as I mentioned, Mark McBride was the illustrator of Del Toro Quest. And in case you haven't read those books, they are steeped in visual riddles and puzzles that are part of the story. They're really, really very clever. And this seems to be Emily Rodder's forte. Even his name was Walter was a puzzle to be unraveled, a story within a story. But with the fantasy-inspired illustrations sparking the gleam, the end result is is really quite something quite new. It's almost like a middle-grade fantasy picture book. You see not only what's happening but also what is in Finn's mind in those illustrations. And every couple of pages there's a either a full page or a double page spread painting, and they just they really are stunning. And you can see why Mark's name is right along there beside Emily's, which is as we mentioned in our last episode, often isn't the case having the illustrator you know double build with the with the author. But you know I think it was really deserved. It's a lot of my enjoyment of this book was those beautiful illustrations. So mm-hmm. yeah, but as to the story, well it's it's a typical hero's quest. Initially Finn is swept up in battles and in in the journey, but he grows through the quest and realises that his skill in drawing is key to the outcome. It's the reason that he's there, even if the others don't realise it. And it's right at the end when you get that aha moment and you just want to go back and reread it, searching for the clues through the story. It's it's really very clever storytelling, um, which I really enjoy. I love that. You know, with Emily Roddy, you know there's something else to come. You know there's another depth to it. Um, Even if you can't see it yet, you know it's coming. So I really love that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, loved it. Really, really loved it. And also I should mention that there's no indication that there will be a sequel, but it's certainly open to the possibility. And I can imagine it was quite an expensive book to produce. It's quite expensive to buy, to be honest. Um, 
So I'm guessing the publisher will see how the sales go before they commit to another one, but, you know, maybe not, mm. but it happens. But, um, I mean, I can yeah. imagine it would have taken a heck of a lot of work with, you know, all those those illustrations through there. Oh, it sounds utterly amazing. Yeah. Now, who will love this book? What age would you recommend it for? Uh, I think it's great for nine and up. I've been, I was as I was reading it, I was stopping every few pages and showing Manga Boy the illustrations. Oh, look at this. Oh, isn't it stunning? And he was like, well, I can't read it until you finish it. So um, <laughs> I think he'll finish it. He'll, he'll read it next. It's, it's high action, but there's nothing too grisly. So I think, yeah, nine and up is good. Perfect. And do you think reluctant readers would enjoy this or is it for more confident readers? Yeah, actually, I think this is a great one for reluctant readers. Um, and it's quite handy that we're reading Del Toro Quest 2 at the moment because I could compare them. And the language in the glim is actually simpler than Del Toro Quest. Um, yeah. So, it's yeah, it is. It's it's quite noticeable. And it's, it's, it's so, yeah, it's a great one for high engagement with, with a low level of difficulty for that sort of upper primary range. So it's a real good one, you know, if you've got a reluctant reader who likes fantasy because not you know they don't not all kids like fantasy but um yeah thrust this in their hands and see how they go mm. yeah and if you're interested in getting a copy into your own hands we have a copy of the glim <laughs> yeah on our giveaway um social media channels so hop on over and start I don't know what do we say comment and share and mm. you can go in the running yeah get your hands on it and like I said it's not a cheap book I think it was RIP is something like $35 which you know it's it's a hardback full of illustrations yeah. so it's understandable um yep. but you know yeah awesome. just gorgeous yeah so Julie it's your turn and I'm a little excited about this one because we've been waiting for this book since the cover appeared on Instagram and because as we discussed an episode or two ago without giving too much away it's middle grade horror <laughs> mm, yeah yeah and um yeah I saw Jane Friedman who writes a popular blog on writing and publishing she blogged earlier this month and I don't think I've actually spoken to you about this yet so this is the first time no. you'll hear this <laughs> yes. she blogged earlier this month about current trends um she went to a show I can't remember what show it was now some trade show and she mentioned that middle grade and dystopian horror is a rising trend in publishing at the moment. So and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago saying, is it just us? Is it just, you know, that you're looking out for them or is there actually a trend in middle grade horror and dystopian? And no, it is actually a trend. So it's not just us noticing it more. So. Oh, well, I really wanted to say that we, you know, started the middle grade horror trend, but never mind. <laughs> maybe some of it out. <laughs> Maybe someone heard our episode and went, "Wow, well, we need more middle grade horror." <laughs> uh, anyway, I know um, the author of this book listens to us, so yes, we better get on with it. Hey, what's the yes. title of today's book? Yes, today is "The Ghouls of Hal Fair" by Nick Tomlinson, illustrated by Kim Geyer, published by Walker UK in October two thousand and nineteen. Mm, so also very new. Um, could you yes. share with us? Yes, young historian Molly Thompson suspects that the creepy legends of Hal Fair are starting to come true. But when her mother bans her from doing any further research, Molly and her best friends to come convert... Oh, I'm stumbling again. Molly and her best friends convert monster hunters in order to save their town. Someone is secretly trying to summon... Hal Fair's mythical monsters, and with the election of a new mayor looming, everything and everyone 
is becoming increasingly suspicious. Mm, sorry, sorry, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can't trust me to not stumble over the over the blurb. It was anyway. a long sentence just to, to read and think and, and talk. And <laughs> so our next question is usually what genre is this? But as we said. Yeah, middle grade horror. Yes. <laughs> Julie's <laughs> sweet spot. Um, and what was the word count for this one? I'd say this is around 70,000. Um, okay. I'm not sure I even confirmed that with Nick, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> a good read, a long read. Nice thing. Yes. Read. Uh, so I, I know this is going to be a little bit of a long story, but could you share us how, with us how you were drawn to this book? Yeah, so I think I started following author Nick Tomlinson because he started following The Mavens, <laughs> so it was one of those. <laughs> um, and he posted his book cover um, with the art by Kim, Kim Geyer, and of course I was hooked, having realised it was classed as middle-grade horror. Now let me explain... I loved the Jack Henselite series, of which we reviewed and interviewed Jack back in episode 15, so I was keen to have another book in my hands within this genre. Now, Nick, of course, has given us a few seriously great book recommendations, so I'm delighted to say we can now add him to the Middle Grave Mavens Hall of Fame. Yay! Congratulations, Nick, all the way over there in the UK. (laughs) Yes. So, can you tell us more about the story? Sure. Molly Thompson investigates everything to the point she has become a bit of a town pariah when it comes to uncovering mysteries that should stay hidden. Since the passing of her dad, Molly and her mum have been running the Excelsior Guest House, which is kind of a creepy mansion. Not that that's unusual in Hal Fair. The whole town is basically one continuous Halloweenish tourist destination. When Hectoria Fullsway comes to stay in Molly's room, Like she always does when she's writing a new book, Molly becomes suspicious when the old lady begins acting stranger than usual. The mystery deepens when Hectoria is found dead in Molly's room, right after she receives a mysterious letter. A letter which Molly most certainly must get her hands on, especially since Mrs. Fallsway apparently visited Molly's gran in hospital, right about the same time she was supposedly having a heart attack. Molly knows the town of Halfair has some sordid secrets and she suspects Benton Furlock, Halfair's mayor candidate, is right at the bottom of it. Little does Molly know how deep Furlock's secrets run, perhaps even to the gates of hell. Ooh, sounds almost sort of... Is it the Goosebumps? Is that the... I guess, I, I, you know, I have to confess I've never even read a Goosebumps, but... I, I used to read saying a series I'm hugely books into middle grade um, horror. Well, I've never read a Goosebumps. They've been around for a long time, and I do remember reading books like that when I was a kid. Yeah. And I don't know if it was Goosebumps or not. But um, we said we weren't gonna, we didn't have anything to say. But this is a very, you know, this episode is coming out on Halloween, and this is a very yes. good Halloween. Yeah. And exactly. I was just thinking, my six-year-old who named himself Joke Boy. Um, yes. He's a bit young for this, but he absolutely loves Halloween and anything ghoulish, monsterish, zombieish, ghostish. So, right. <laughs> when he's put, a little old, put it on in his list for uh, in a couple yeah, of years. A couple of years, maybe. <laughs> it's a bit long for him right now, but yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how did you go? Did you enjoy this one? Oh, of course I did. 
Now, this was an intricate mystery slash middle grade horror, which unfurled slowly, giving us hints and clues and an abundance of weird and wonderful characters along the way. Molly was a plucky girl character who was flawed and fallible, and I felt myself swept along in her insatiable journey to solve the mysteries, no matter how dire the consequences. And let's just say the consequences were dire. I was on the edge of my seat, nail-biting, hands ringing as the book unfurled, and I'm happy to say I'm firmly ensconced in my love of middle-grade horror, thanks to writers like Nick Tomlinson and Jack Henselite. There you go. There is there is a market middle-grade horror. Yes. <laughs> uh, who will love this book? What age do you think? Uh, I'm going to say for nine plus on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't dreadfully scary per se, but it was edge of your seat dramatic at times. So I think this would be for a kid who's um, a kid who doesn't, you know, mind a good fright, and those who are prone to night terrors might want to avoid it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about reluctant readers in that age range? Do you think it'd be good for them? Uh, I think this is definitely for confident readers, and as I think Nick mentions in the interview to follow. His editor said it reminded her of Jessica Townsend's Nevermore. So I suspect anyone who loves that series will take to this first book like a duck to water. And, oh, did I mention a sequel is being written? Oh, cool. Very mm-hmm. good. And to be compared to Nevermore, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether how that has – I mean, I'm, I know that has international rights, but I don't know where they're up to, you know, in yeah. the UK. So with the um, – Nick would actually know that. Well, yeah, he didn't. I don't think he knew it at the time, but he certainly knows it now. So, well, you know, we, everyone, we all in Australia love it. And um, the third book is Hollow Pox is coming out uh, very soon. Yeah, yeah. So, wow, great. Some other things to add to our summer reading pile. Yes. Now, don't forget to drop by our social media and enter our giveaways because we have another brand new one to announce. Um, courtesy of Bloomsbury, we have a copy of Catherine Doyle's The Stormkeeper's Island and the recently released sequel, The Lost Tide Warriors. So head on over to our social media and start commenting and sharing to enter. Oh, that's true. I think, was it last episode that I uh, reviewed The Lost Tide Warriors or the one Yes, before? it was. Oh, yes. Yeah. Beautiful of Bloomsbury to send us books. Um, thank yes. you to you for giving us those books to give away and just gorgeous books. Yep. Now, the fun doesn't end here as we are super excited to announce that our very first international interview. Next up, we have Nick Tomlinson stopping by the Middle Grade Maven's Hot Seat. So stay tuned, folks. Fantastic. Can't wait. See you, everyone. Bye for now. Here we are at Middle Grade Mavens and a little recap for our listeners. We've recently reviewed The Ghouls of Hal Fair, which was published in October 2019 by Walker Books UK. Now, I personally find it fascinating to hear the story of how a book came to be. We thought it would be awesome to invite Nick into the Middle Grade Mavens hot seat for some authorly banter. Guess what? He agreed. I don't think I even said it was by Nick Tomlinson. Oh, terrible. Anyway, hi, Nick. Hello, <laughs> thanks, Julie. Hello, Mavens. Thanks for Maven, joining Julie. us at, um, at Middle Grade Mavens. <laughs> Not that I actually weird. introduced you <laughs> in no, my <laughs> introduction. Keep oh. the mystery 
levels yes, high. Definitely. Now, um, Nick is joining us from the UK. So this is our first Mavens International Skype chat. So we are very excited. So tell us, Nick, where did you get your start in writing? Oh, gosh. Um, where to start? I, I mean, I've been writing for as long as I can remember. Um, and, but it, it, I don't think I was particularly creative. I think it was just some, some kind of weird compulsion. Um, I don't know whether it's the same with any any listeners or yourself. In fact, uh, it was just kind of I had to get stuff out of my head and it was generally senseless rubbish with uh, lots of characters just fighting and killing each other and with lots of scribbled pictures in the margins of my books and um I mean they're, they're basically just these massive my stories were all massive psychological red flags for my teachers uh, <laughs> of course. and I just remember the look on their faces because uh, I thought I actually thought I was quite creative um but I'd just taken I think um do, do you remember the first book you ever did where you'd stapled it in the middle it was a proper fold over book stapled yes. in the middle uh, yes. do you remember what, do you remember what it's called um well this is funny. I never wrote as a kid like all the you other writers do. So, um, like most recently, Giselle and I have stapled a book together and written it. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, making it for a lot of time. Uh, mine was called um, Battle with Handcuffs. <laughs> oh, I remember the, the teacher's face when I took in this, this. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, Battle with Handcuffs. But it doesn't make sense and it sounds like um, a bondage thriller, um, <laughs> which it, it absolutely wasn't. It was about... Um, I had a kind of plastic kit of sort of policeman equipment uh, that right. I got in a shop so I could arrest my friends and loved ones and, and someone stole the handcuffs. So it was all very innocent, but the teacher wanted to know that. And I took in this book with uh, just pictures of kind of be people being you know, handcuffed to <laughs> railings and stuff. And they didn't realize it was just an innocent story because the whole thing, it was just like nine pages in capitals, one <laughs> sentence, uh, a kind of scream, scream for help. Um, so that was the my inauspicious beginnings. Um, I, right. I think I calmed down by the time I reached teenagehood, um, and I was actually you'll like this. You'll like this. Um, I fell in love with um, magical realism, uh, ah. <laughs> John, um, and I really wanted to be. I wanted to be Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Louis de Bernier, um, but I was, I was from Reading, a place called Reading, in the UK, which is uh, it's the south southeast england quite near london but it's basically just a kind of um big suburbia that i lived in um outside london with no kind of discernible character of its own at the place the particular <laughs> place where i lived it's the biggest housing development in europe um and it's yeah. just kind of high street standard uh, chain shops and kids in nirvana t-shirts and that's all that well and so i was obsessed with um West Africa. I thought that South America had been done to death in magical realism. And so right. what the world really needed was someone to write magical realism set in West Africa and written by <laughs> a, a white person from Reading who's 19. <laughs> so I wrote all of these stories, which are basically all stories about about a, a white 19-year-old from Reading in, in West Africa. They were just the worst stories anyone's ever written. And someone finally uh, said just just you know someone says this to you at some point when you're churning out this absolute garbage um about which got which doctors you've never met kind of thing um set in in uh, ghana um and someone just went for god's sake just write what you know and um <laughs> you know that, that that kind of turning point and i, I remember just laughing in their face because i thought i don't i literally don't know it i, I mean i struggle <laughs> cling film i just i'd know nothing um i i like writing 
poems and I was um, always in love as a boy just this horrible mess of unrequited love throughout my entire um, school days so I thought shall I write about that might as well so I wrote a book about being a shy person trying to write the perfect poem to win the heart of a girl who doesn't oh. notice him and the first agent I sent it to this was after years of sending out stuff under West African pseudonyms um, <laughs> first agent I sent it to phoned, phoned and said it had he said it made him writhe with laughter, which uh, is nice <laughs> it, because it wasn't really was what you were going for. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was 100% autobiographical. <laughs> so it's my life. But who cares? Because it was a, an agent. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the, the start. Um, oh. And that was the, the first book I wrote, St. Valentine, which came out in 2003 and then uh, just vanished <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just of course. into the um, ether. That is what books do sometimes. Fortunately, yeah. Yeah. So I guess how, like, let's get to the ghouls. Um, mm. How long did it take you to write the ghouls? I think you may have already told me this accidentally, but um, oh, and, okay. and I've just realised my, my next question in that question is, and what kind of research do you do for a story? So I guess you went didn't really hang out with any ghouls but um i i yeah <laughs> tell us yeah, how you uh, came to write that it's hard to research um actually no uh, i mean it took about 15 years so it's a an overnight success really um, of course yes uh, um but gosh it's such a, a long and boring story there's um but basically i'd, I'd I'd come up with this idea for a book um, about a boy called Jacob, who was kind of a, a brave little adventurer. And this was this was 15 years ago, and this was back at the, you know, Harry Potter was um, taking the world, or had already taken the world by storm. And I thought, and I, I'd only sold four copies of my first book, and I thought, and my artistic dream was always to sell more than four copies of a book. So I thought, <laughs> um, let's go, let's turn to middle grade. Um, and my agent at the time was just he said no that's that's a stupid idea because the stuff I was writing was very similar to kind of battle with handcuffs level rubbish um, <laughs> and I, I wasn't a children's writer it's um I, I can't it doesn't come naturally it's so much harder than than you think um because I thought it's just going to be whimsical uh, you said about research I thought you don't have to research you can just make stuff up um and so uh, but basically you're getting an, an 11 year old character from um, the point where they're sitting in school and they're a bit un unhappy to the point where they're saving the world and the logistical nightmare of getting from one yes. one to the other um, in such a way that um, doesn't completely confuse and confound a nine-year-old reader. It's, uh, you need to be incredibly disciplined. So it, it was, um, I'd make it too complicated and it would end up being um, a thousand pages long. And the, the agents loved the, because my agents and I, parted ways amicably and I was, I was sending it out to every agent in the universe and they, they're <laughs> yes. just saying oh you really like the first chapter how long is it and I tell them and you hear them spit their coffee out and they, <laughs> just chop it in half chop it in half and send it back and so I just literally I just chop it in half and um, stick the second half in a you know that, that can be the deal <laughs> and then I try and tidy up a few ends um and suddenly it would be a thousand pages again or, or even longer so it's like some sort of monster <laughs> from greek myth that just kept getting bigger and i literally i thought the next one the next draft will be the one that that uh, i managed to get under control and i did that for 15 years oh um, my goodness and oh good grief i wrote a lot of utter 
utter rubbish. But the main problem was it was a, a fantasy story, and with fantasy, you need your central character to have some kind of um, credentials. I feel like they have to have, you know, vanquished Voldemort in the past, or at least, that, yes. yeah, exactly. There's some sort of prophecy that makes them um, that it kind of fits them for the adventure that that awaits them. They can't just be some schmo who accidentally landed in Narnia. They, you know, um, and so and I had for my character i had a backstory but it was about 300 pages long and it was just stupidly complicated and him <laughs> drinking a potion now it, it kind of went back to before the dawn of time and and demons <laughs> all sorts. and it was really and so every other page was just someone stepping out from behind the curtain some wizened sage and saying his name is jacob the character jacob um there are, here i have this mad this scroll and i'm going to read some prophecy about you and all the characters were just doing that until they by the end the monsters just wanted to die they wanted jacob <laughs> because it was so bored of delivering 15 page speeches. and so i thought um and i had this character in my head molly thompson who was she was kind of based on this is where the re real research comes in because I, I didn't yes. hang around in graveyards and, and dig up uh, ghouls or anything um but I, I taught in a as an academic learning mentor in a girls school um, which is kind of like a, it's, I don't know if you have them in Australia, academic learning mentors. It sounds like a bit of a non-job Now <laughs> I say it out loud. Um, um, I mean, they may have them, but they may not yeah. call them that <laughs> in Australia. That, that's a wise move because it, it just it means nothing to the children. <laughs> um, it's, it's like a counsellor, but I could only give them academic-based oh, okay. advice. Yes. So they'd, they'd come to me with their problems with Gary, who just dumped them, and I'd I'd suggest maybe they should work on their grammar. Yeah, it's, yes, I'd, yes. And they hated me and they, they just they didn't come to the sessions. So I just take to lurking around the corridors and just kind of jumping out with useful <laughs> suggestions. Um, <laughs> like, like, remember the paperclip in Microsoft Office Office that just appeared when you didn't want it to and offered uh, you advice? Uh, yes. How was that paper? <laughs> um, but Fantastic. there were these um, bookworms that I used to teach and they were terrible at school, <laughs> at school because they were too busy writing insane fan fiction all the time and discussing it with each other um and they, they described themselves as awkward and um uh, shy and um yeah socially awkward they used to call themselves on weirdos um and i thought it'd be lovely if if they could open a book one day and find someone who's just like them who's not kind of a brave sassy um yes adventurer but who's a bit messed up and is a kind of real character which is a, a long-winded way of saying eventually i just ditched jacob who was a kind of feisty brave young hero and substituted molly who was a bit of a mess she doesn't get on with her mom and she's not very brave and her priorities are screwed up and she's not that great a friend um and I just stuck her in uh, i made it her hometown instead of going to narnia um i made it you know passing through the portal into some fa fantasy realm i thought let's just make it her home and she's surrounded by all of this magical stuff that no one really believes in anymore. All these old stories about monsters. And she's the only one who suspects that there's something um, something going on behind them. That's a which very is, long answer. Which can, is, I, you know, the perfect recipe for middle grade. <laughs> so, Yeah, yeah. Um, turns out. <laughs> just wish I thought of it 15 years earlier. Yeah. I guess yeah. you wouldn't have actually written the book you've written today unless you'd been through you know the the roller coaster so yeah it yeah. takes a lot of doesn't it 
It does, yeah. So I now my next question, I love to ask this because some people love editing and others hate it. So how yeah. much editing did you have to endure? So how big was this really when you uh, sent it to the editor? Was it 90,000? <laughs> was it no, 100? I, <laughs> I hadn't whittled it down. Um, here's a, a confession. It, it seems to be, at least in the UK, the new normal to um, engage an external editor who who knows the market and knows whether where you'd fit into that um yes. and one agent who i'd just been spamming with um the manuscript for about 10 years just eventually broke and she said just <laughs> i think you should get an editor um to work on this and i was of course incredibly and so i'm not paying so i'm not paying someone to do my work for me and then i thought um i was very affronted and um, then it turned out everyone was doing it and the book would have to go to an editor anyway. And also yeah. I thought if I go to, if she suggests an editor and I use that editor, then I go back to the agent. She's not going to say no, is she? Um, <laughs> it turned out she did. That's a, a quick spoiler for you. Um, but I'd, um, I worked with a, an external editor who did a kind of overview, a seven page um thing saying, here's exactly why your book isn't selling. And it was because at the time um, it was about, it was called the badges of molly thompson which when i said it to anyone people thought i was saying badgers which which was a bad stop it um oh, it was about she was yes. a brownie she was right. um, the, brownies like the girl i Scouts. actually did think of the animal oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh god see that's why it was doomed to failure it, it's just a simple thing um the badgers of molly thompson what um yeah she was a brownie in a haunted town and um like a girl girl guide or a scout um and it was each i was going to have loads of books and each one would be about how she gets her next badge for oh. um like survival skills or Which citizenship not or, a bad, that's actually not a bad not, premise for middle grade yeah because yeah, i love um series but yeah maybe not for exactly. your first no but think of the merchandise that's what i was um of course <laughs> loads of so like the, the badges themselves and all these uh yeah guiding equipment uh, it turns out that uh, the brownies and guides are, are just kind of uh, copyrighted to the hill and trademark yes. so i couldn't yes. do that anyway and also i think they perhaps felt it was a bit weird a kind of 46 year old guy writing about brownies <laughs> I, I don't know uh, whatever the reason she said maybe you could ditch that bit and as soon as i did um it kind of opened up um and also i, I put in my emails um, I know you've seen it because I'd approached every agent in the known universe by this point. And um, so I, was just, I just went back to A and worked back through to Z. And um, said, so I know you've seen this before, but since then I've worked, um, I've worked with uh, this editor, um, Tilda Johnson. And um, she was the copy, she did uh, copy edits or copywriting, sorry, uh, not copywriting. What, what's it? Proofreading, proofreading yep. um, for a book called Nevermore. Oh wow! And um, Tilda had said to me, "Do you know what? It reminds me of a book that I've just been working on called Nevermore, which I hadn't heard of, um, but everyone in the publishing industry had." Yes. So I said, um, "Tilda said it reminds her of a book called Nevermore," and suddenly people started um, responding to my emails, which um, is so funny because we would call that a comparative title in the yeah. pitching world, but um, yeah. it yeah it doesn't necessarily come, but you know. We read a lot of books, so yeah. we can say, oh, it's really similar to this. But the average Joe probably doesn't actually read a lot of um, middle grade books. So 
Yeah, it no. is really hard to find comparatives. But of course, you chose um, your your editor chose Nevermore, which is um, famously famous because of an Australian author. <laughs> so yeah, woo-hoo! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that that's what opened doors there. Um, How wonderful! Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a long process though. Um, so I think I skipped questions. Um, one of my other questions was, how did you get it into the hands of Walker? Um, so obviously your agent then took it to submissions and yeah, tell us how. Oh, that's a um, good grief. That's a, a lot of hang, hand wringing and um, <laughs> Con- convolution. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, uh, it's Jane Willis at United Agents, um, who's lovely and. Um, she she's the first person actually who um uh, but i'd got knocked back by lots of agents saying there's no market for a mid-grade horror with a female protagonist which i thought was weird i don't i, I thought there would, there'd be loads of room for a mid-grade horror with a female protagonist but jane was the first person to say oh it's not really a horror story at all it's a kind of warm family drama about a girl trying to come to terms with loss yes um, you know with ghouls thrown in as well um and Mara Bergman, the editor at Walker, was the first editor to say exactly the same thing. Um, she said, yeah, I, I like the character. It's, it's Molly who's um, the centre of this. It's not, oh, it's just a, a, a book about a girl fighting monsters in a haunted town. It's, it's a, you know, there's a, a kind of relationship drama at the um, centre of it, which was, uh, you know, it blew me away because um, I'm basically an Ann Tyler fan who likes reading small scale fiction about relationships um and I, I just kind of wrapped it up in horror and coolery um, <laughs> middle grade yeah, exactly yeah for middle grade audience um and they're the first pe- people who got that so yeah it was it was a done deal oh fantastic well we love walker books so yeah. brilliant so let's talk book covers People can say they don't matter, but they matter to Maven Julie. And um, as you know, I loved this book cover. And we've also reviewed another book recently, which I think was on your recommendation, Help I Smell a Monster by Justin Davies, illustrated by Kim Geyer. Um, How did it come to pass having Kim as the illustrator? And were you pee pants excited when she signed on? (laughs) Um, Absolutely was. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Um, I was ecstatic um, because I'd sent, um, I had these ideas in my head about what the front cover would look like and I, I did them on Microsoft Paint <laughs> to think Dear. about this I had loads of ideas because uh, I thought oh what happens if I, they come back and it's some terrible artwork put together with you know a, some sort of dodgy uh, art package on Microsoft yes. uh, whether yes. just move some things around um, or it's kind of horrid digital art or something like that. Um, and so when they said that, uh, and so I'd sent these pictures to them of what I thought it should look like. And I basically done them on Microsoft Paint with my finger. And they were the worst <laughs> pictures, just these thick pictures of a girl with curly hair um, in a graveyard. And, and, and they were very, very polite about it, um, by which I mean they didn't mention mention it ever again. Yes, um, and then they yes. came back and they said, we've, we've got a real artist for you. And she's kind of... Um, <laughs> Kim started off in in textiles um, and uh, moved into illustrations, um, and she's she's a proper artist, and she just <laughs> kind of classic. She has this classic kids vibe, but with a um, 
a modern twist. She's really versatile as well. She also did, um, I don't know if you've um, read The Secret Starling by Judith Eagle. Um, I've heard so much about it, but I have not yeah, got there yet. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, really, really. And, and she does the illustrations for that. And it is, you can see the similarities across all the things she does, but it, they've, you know, these are um, uh, Justine Davies and um, Judith Eagles and mine are very different kinds of books, but um, she's, she just adapts her style to, um, to the requirements of the book. And I think that, yeah, I was Wonderful. very, very happy indeed. But she worked so flipping hard. Um, I, I, she, she keeps sending me uh, drawings that she did saying, you might want to use this for. Oh, for I know you, you've posted those and they, yeah, it's such a shame. They never like, they, they often don't make them into the book. Um, but uh, some of yeah. her character drawings are just awesome. Amazing. Like, yes. And that's just the background work that she does. So I am um, yeah. in the process of having every single one made into postcards. Uh, oh, posted. good. Duvets, Fantastic. <laughs> pillowcases, yes. <laughs> so, so how do you manage the pressures of the world and still find time to write? Uh, oh, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't manage at all really next next question yeah yeah no, I, I don't I, i'm absolutely rubbish at it so um I, I get tips from this podcast actually um I've, I've heard some good ones from authors that you've interviewed um but no i'm i'm awful because i i, I tend to write i write like i talk in incredible vo <laughs> lots of uh, I, I i write a lot and i talk a lot and then um unlike with talking with writing you can just delete it at the end of the day so yes um to get 500 pages i'd, I'd write a million pages and then just get rid <laughs> of the, the nonsense but it does mean that around i just do it around the clock i, I do it until i go blind basically no yeah. i shouldn't have said yeah sounds sounds wrong um i mean <laughs> the other night i was um i was i was up uh editing something and my my vision just went everything just went black and at first I thought the screen had gone dead and so yeah. it's kind of the computer and then I realized I couldn't see anything at all and that's that's the point when you realize that um, you should probably give up for the, the computer night. has shut down <laughs> yeah it wasn't it was my it was my eyes you your your computer has shut down yeah exactly yeah yeah um, um so having a clue but I think a, a lot of authors are in this this position where um yeah we're doing it we'll fit it I, god knows how you do it if you've got kids yeah, you're creating the cracks. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, working on that. That's a work in progress. I can imagine. <laughs> now, I reviewed two books on the Mavens purely by stalking your Instagram. Um, it is clear you have excellent taste in middle grade um, because you yeah. bought us The Butterfly Circus by Francesca Amor Chalou. I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. Um, and I also have Potkin and Stubbs by Sophie Green which I hope to do an episode on in the future. So I'm going to give you an open mic here, which I realize might be quite dangerous. Nick, tell us, <laughs> what are the two books you have on your radar that you think the Mavens would enjoy? Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought hard about this um, because I've, I've heard variations of this question on previous podcasts. And um, I mean, for, for a start, Francesca Armacello, who's got um, two previous books, um, the, the, it's a two book series about a character called Fen Halflin. Um, I'm reading those. So if you want to do a read along with me, um, anyone listening, uh, uh, probably over November, they're kind of eco disaster adventures and they look absolutely fantastic. And I, um, 
there are two Potkin and Stubbs books by Sophie Green, and your um, illustrator crush, Carl James Mountford, um, did yes. and they're, they're yes. stunning. <laughs> they're kind of, um, they're mid-grade noir, um, supernatural yes. uh, detective mysteries, and they're, they're just stupendous. Um, but the the ones that uh, <laughs> I know I've just used up my, I've just you too. But that's fine. I did Whoa. say open mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the two the two that I think I'll go for is uh, one because you you recently um, or a while back you did Louisiana's Way Home by Kate DiCamillo. Yes. Um, and really, yeah, I'd say finish off the uh, the trilogy, not you know the the Ranchero sequence with mm -hmm. um, um, Beverly right here. Beverly right here. Yes. Which is yep. just, yeah, a beautiful beautiful end to one of the best mid-grade series ever written um incredible books um the other one is a, a, a shout out to a um an author who um i don't see enough of on social media and bookstagram stuff um his name's rob lloyd jones and he he wrote a um some they're called the jake atlas books um uh -huh. so i'd recommend the first one of those and then work your way through them uh the first one's jake atlas and the tomb of the emerald Oh, yeah, the Tomb of the Emerald Snake, if I remember rightly. And then there were two more after that. But as far as um, action adventure, mid grade, um, Indiana Jones with gadgets kind of stuff, uh, he, there's no one to touch him. He, he does it absolutely beautifully. A really Fantastic. thrilling, but with a lot of heart um, and a kind of adventure family as well at the, um, um, at the core of it. So, yeah, definitely. definitely Perfect. Recommend those. Well, we are big Indiana Jones fans here, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is next in the wings for Nick Tomlinson? Don't keep the Mavens in suspense. Tell us, is there another book being scrutinised by some wonderful editor as we speak? As we speak, probably not as we speak um, in the UK because it's bedtime. Um, <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, the the sequel, the Molly Thompson sequel is called the scream of the silent man um oh. and i've been told it's a bit too scary so right uh, yeah um yeah Molly, I, I thought after a first book in a series where uh, an 11 year old girl has just faced down a load of ghouls now don't uh, tell me any any uh spoilers nick because i'm still reading <laughs> oh okay okay um <laughs> uh she, and she dies <gasps> uh, no, she doesn't. Uh, or, or does she? I don't know. Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. But, okay. Let's say hypothetically, your character survives the first book in a series. <laughs> yes. The apocalypse. Makes to, yeah. Makes it to the the next book in the series um, intact, um, or fairly intact. They'd probably want to take a break from dealing with monsters instead of just jumping straight in. So um, I've I've kind of have had her. Um, decide to become a tour guide for some visiting journalists who've Fantastic. turned up at um, But the trouble is these visiting journalists are particularly interested in one particularly scary legend called the legend of the silent man. Um, right. Who's um, a town crier wrongly executed um, with a metal plate bolted over his mouth. Um, and yeah, it gets pretty flipping scary because they, they rope <laughs> her into it investigation that she really she can't resist helping them with um even though she knows that there's a chance she might release something particularly right. nasty, um, and not a badger to be found <laughs> no. no where's where's the badger when you need one <laughs> it sounds brilliant and as we um 
we've said, it is middle grade horror. So there are some limits you're allowed to push. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th I think it's a, this is my personal opinion. If um, you can have, I think you can have a book that's not particularly graphic and that there aren't monsters in it who are particularly um, nasty, but you can still be, there's still a kind of, I don't know, it leaves you cold. Um, do you know what I mean? A, a book yes. that, yes. Uh, the, the cruelty is a bit too cruel and there's no kind of redemption. And um, uh, whereas yeah. I'm, that's, to, never uh, the, that's never the um, theme in middle grade. I mean, there's always, there's always meant to be redemption, isn't there? Exactly, so yeah. That's um, the difference. Magic, yeah. Um, that there's some good at the, the basis of it. And I think that um, you can get away with a lot of scary stuff as long as um, you show the reader that they're in good hands with your um, main character. Um, yes. And that they're resourceful enough to kind of, when you identify with them, you know, you'll be kind of, they'll be empowering you to an extent um, yes. to face the monsters that they um, they confront. Um, and, and as well, if there's a heart to it and um, a reader can see that actually what you're doing is you're um, resolving issues um, in in the characters' lives where they, they come to a point where they better understand each other and um, they forgive each other, they're reconciled to each other. Um, yes. That they, to understand their enemies a bit better, that kind of thing. Um, I think that you, you can get away with pushing the boundaries of the scariness a bit. Yep, yep. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so it has been a delight, Nick, and thank you for staying up very late for us. Now, The Ghouls of Halfair is, is, you know, in the world. It should be on all the bookshelves. So where can we find you online if our listeners are interested in checking out your book? Um, I'm on Twitter, but I, I wouldn't go there to be honest, because it's just me ranting about break <laughs> at the moment, just uh, retweeting other people's angry posts. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, I have a website which is nicktomlinson.com. Um, yes. Work in progress, kind of thing. It's mainly uh, a repository for um, Kim Geyer's fantastic artwork, yes. so I just yes, plastered that all over it with a bit of <laughs> me. But mainly, as you know, um, Instagram is my my true love um so head over um i think it's uh underscore nick dot tomlinson underscore um, nothing difficult about that nothing <laughs> difficult about that um pointless uh, yeah punctuation but uh, go there if you want to and please do say hi and you'll get to meet um yeah dotty is the star of the show our dog dotty oh yes has kind of taken over the uh, yeah my instagram feed <laughs> yes uh, with some book reviews as well and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, pop over and say hi. Mm, yes. And um, thank you once again, Nick, for joining us at Middle Grade Mavens. Thank you very much, Julie. It's been a delight. It's hard to believe November is upon us and the Mavens are racing to the finish line of this decade with more wonderful reviews and interviews. Don't forget, we have a couple of great book giveaways going on over on our social media pages. So don't forget to drop by, give us a like, a comment or even a share to go in the running. Next up, Pamela reviews Beverly Right Here by Kate DiCamillo. And Julie reviews The Secrets of Magnolia Moon by Edwina Wyatt, illustrated by Catherine Quinn. 
If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by julieangrassobooks.com and to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net. <laughs>